Now I go, all right, this is Pat McDonald, Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Joining me in studio, thanks, Guy, is Guy Page, who's the publisher, owner of Vermont Daily Chronicle. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pat. How? Glad to be here. Good. And he's also videotaping this. Well, Just don't turn that around to me. That's all I ask. <laughs> Let your fans see you. I, I was trying to, but I'm I'm inept. Oh, oh, yeah, oh I'm, so. I'm right with you. Um, so, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank Thanks. you for coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the Vermont Daily Chronicle? Well, I'm a Vermonter born and raised, who obviously needs to drink some of his water right now. Um, and... I started work at the Burlington Free Press in 1979. I got bit by the journalism bug and have been doing it pretty much my whole life ever since. So, uh, yeah, uh, I started the Vermont Daily Chronicle about seven years ago when I decided I was actually a lobbyist at the time. And it seems like all the news coming out of there... Uh, someone else needed to be writing it from another perspective. Right. And so I thought, well, just for catharsis, maybe it should be me. So I started writing my own column, sending it out to a few friends. And it's turned into this thing that last year we had 1.1 million views. Wow. We're online at www.vermontdailychronicle.com. Uh, we post about 10 news and commentary a day. It's free for anyone to read. We're also now publishing a, a Burlington satellite called the Burlington Daily News. Whoa. Yep. And we incredibly, there are, actually have three people working with me. My, my son, Tim, is the assistant editor. Got uh, Paul Bean of Northfield doing social media, which is amazing. When, let me tell you, folks, when you can get a 24-year-old wonderkind who can actually do all this video stuff like I can't right. hire him. Really? Um, and then um, Mike Boloski, who's a veteran reporter, got to start with the Hardwick Gazette, worked for True North for a while, is now working with me. Oh, I didn't. I love Michael. Yeah, he's a great I guy. I love him. And a, and a good professional reporter. And yep. Mike Donahue is writing on a regular basis with for me. Yep. And it's great. You're having fun. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, I wrote, I wrote Guy a letter yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. Um, after doing research for this show, I have a whole new appreciation for what you do. How do you, I'm not kidding, I'm very serious. How do you do this and how do you, I mean, every, every day you've got what, 15, 20 headline articles. I mean. Well, we do 10 a day and then we also post the previous days. Ah. Uh, recent news. Oh, okay. So a lot of it, Pat, is People who care submitting stuff. We have like, Alison Dispathy up in the Northeast Kingdom is terrific on issues having to do with the clean, the uh, the quote unquote affordable heating act. She's very knowledgeable, writes about that. And there's probably five or ten other, what you might say, sort of regular columnists right. and reporters who say, I've got something to say. Renee McGinnis today has got a, a terrific piece on S-151. Which is basically sort of uh, I'm a victim, you're a victim, everyone's a victim kind of bill is how she, how she characterizes it anyway, and she wrote a, a good commentary on it. I try to differentiate between news and commentary, right. two very different right. things. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a lot of people who care writing writing interesting factual news and commentary. That's great. And do you have I don't know what the word would be because it's a free press, so. Do you have any guidelines of what you do print and don't print? I mean, it's your paper, and you sure. want it to be focused on what you'd like to well, say. Well, it's Vermont, yeah. Vermont, 
So I try to keep it as much as possible. Once in a while, some national stuff gets in there because it's of such interest to our readers. I put it in. But basically, Vermont, uh, daily, in other words, it has to be right. current. Right. You know, I don't, if it happened last year, I'm not all that interested. I, I, I want to tell people news is stuff that you don't actually know. It's new to you. Right. Well, then oh. that makes it news. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the word commentator, and my mind is completely blank, but I know you will know this guy. He was a reporter, used to wear shorts, and he passed away years ago. He and I were buds, and we used to have breakfast. And he said to me that reporters aren't so much reporters anymore. Rather, they are commentators. Mm. And they should say so. Because it's their opinion. It's not the fact, you know, just the facts, ma'am. They, there's very few, don't be mad at me, reporters, but there's very few that just tell it like it is without the, the slant. And that's the truth. That's just the way it is. It, it is the truth. And I, I will confess, I, I think people can sometimes see my slant (laughs) too. Uh, and I think you might have been talking about Peter Frayne. Yes, Peter Frayne. Yeah, Thank you uh, for that. Uh, I love that a, man. A blessed memory. Yes. Um, uh, now, there are a few reporters out there who I really admire, people like um, Stuart Ledbetter, who's retiring. Yes, yes. I, I don't really know what his politics are, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, well, and you're right about Stuart. I, I actually wrote a note on Facebook. I was sad that to see him leaving because he is one of those reporters. Right. Um, Lewis Porter was one of those reporters yes. for years. and. I, when he left reporting, he got involved in something. Then I went, I had no idea <laughs> yeah. what your politics were. Right. And, and he sort of laughed about it because right. you could make up your own mind after that. would be a whole show about commentator versus yes. news. And, and I'm, you know, I, I find it difficult to sometimes not comment. Mm-hmm. I get yelled at sometimes by my. By. Uh, by Steve? by Steve. He's actually the producer of the show Whoa. right now, but he yelled er, when you mentioned S5. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop talking about S5. Oh my, which was the, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the oil and fossil fuel. But anyway, so back to Guy Page, who's the focus of this show. And we'll just keep talking. There it goes. I just lost myself. Um, I took the last three newsletters, last three days, and I just wrote down the topics. Um, mm. I didn't write them all down because we'd have to have a little more than an hour. Um, but I would love to just give you the title and sure. have you talk away, and I'm sure some of it will spark some conversation about politics and where this state is at the moment. But yeah. Okay? Sure. So the first one uh, was the the head? I'll just read the headlines and then we can fill in the blanks. Phil Scott explains why he <laughs> won't sign the Texas letter, um, uh. just in case. Oh, anyway, so it was a letter that was written in support by by the and Republican governors, um, in support of what Texas is doing. That uh, all the immigrants, that they're illegal aliens that they're dealing with coming across the border. Right, right. Uh, so you've got twenty seven. Republican governors, 25 signed. Alaska's didn't, and Phil Scott didn't. Oh, I didn't know about Alaska. Yeah. Well, I stand corrected in my reporting yeah. on my Facebook. Uh, that's at least, I think I have that right. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was but, just one, but yeah. there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and it, it, some people, some of our commentators, we and believe me, we've had a lot. We've had over 100 comments. By the way, that is one thing. The Chronicle does that most media don't do now, which is we welcome comments. comments. And it's hard because you do have some people who 
can be downright rude and I have to set ground rules and I yeah, it, it it is hard to moderate. It's like being a town moderator at an obstreperous town meeting. Right. You know, you you want everyone to speak, but but you also have to have a certain amount of you know continuity and right. and getting to the point. Uh, so so anyway, uh, but we've had over a hundred comments right. and a a lot of op eds and letters and everything is saying why in the world won't Phil Scott sign that letter? We we have a northern border, right? Which by the way. Is the, the most has the the largest growth of of uh, people crossing illegally. The Swanton right. sector right. has the highest in the nation, the highest rate of increase. So, so why not? And and Governor Sununu right next door has his own right. uh, sort of state border patrol initiative going on. Well, which, he was begging the feds, begging Biden for some help. He was on. Uh, um, on my uh, Facebook or someplace where he was saying, please help us. We can't deal with this. That's right. Yeah. We have, if my memory serves, 14 border crossings, many of which are not manned, staffed, mm-hmm. but they have sensors so we can at least count right. <laughs> how many are coming across. I mean, obviously, if, if there's the, another one, yeah, there's if, another one. If the, uh, if the line gets broken, then right. they'll send the, the local police out, but that's, right. that doesn't work sometimes because, yeah. and, and the border patrol does do, a good job yep. that they with their manpower of, of you know intervening. Uh, so so I asked uh, Jason Malucci, who by the way, as far as I'm concerned, is the best press press secretary of a Vermont governor that I have seen oh. in um, in my long tenure. Well, uh, that's, he that's does, great he, in compliment. terms of being just responsive. Yeah, it's amazing how many press secretary secretaries who just didn't answer the emails. Yep. And he does. So, so I appreciate that. So I asked him, uh, Jason, why isn't the governor signing this thing? And his answer was, we decided a long time ago that we would sign on to some governor's letters, but not the Republican Governors Association letters. We don't sign any of them. And I think, I think that is a true statement. He doesn't sign on to them. However, I have asked him at press conferences, months ago about the border and Texas and everything. And he has basically said, you know, Texas has its problems. Vermont has its problems. And I'm just not going to really get very involved in that. Well, I think Texas problems are finding their way up here. Yes. Um, Because there was another article you put in that said an illegal immigrant smuggler uh, (laughs) earned $1,000 per person coming across our borders. Hello. That's right. And he made at least, I think, 12 trips or, yeah. uh, it was a, a repeat offender of a, of a human trafficking, really. Yeah. Is what it is, human smuggling. And that's big in Vermont. I, I haven't done yeah. a show on that recently, but you helped me moderate a TV show we did on smuggling memory. Oh, right. Years ago. Right, and right. that was just unbelievable, that yeah. show. Yeah, Vermont, of course, has we have Smuggler's Notch. We've got a great tradition for <laughs> smuggling, but this is a different kind of thing. Different. Now, now the argument that that the governor's made when when I've asked him, well, how about these people coming in, or where are they going? He says, well, Vermont's just a way station. They're, we think that they're going to New York and Boston, and that may be. But we had Paul Bean did a, a wonderful video. It's one of the things he's doing. He's doing man on the street interviews now, right. and he asked a fellow in Burlington what he thought about the homeless situation, and he said. Well, first of all, yes, it is. A, I think it is a problem. He said, I'm also really concerned about 
that we may be getting, we are getting, he has heard secondhand, not verified, but secondhand, we're getting uh, asylum seekers bussed up from New York City to Burlington. So the the overflow, as it were, oh, from New cool. York, right. which is significant, right. uh, the, the one Burlingtonian is claiming uh, we're getting some of that. Well, now Montpelier is a sanctuary city, is it not? So I believe it is. Montpelier and Burlington; those are the only two I know. Um, which is where, if I were them, I, that's where I'd be heading. So mm-hmm. that's in our backyard. And that's and that's where they are. Yeah, that's where most of the for the many different reasons, of course, um, a, a lot of the homeless are. I think it's where a lot of the uh, all the services are. Right. Um, my. Um, I have a family member who's spent a fair amount of time kind of being in and out of being homeless and, uh, huh. and, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's an eye-opening thing. Part of the problem is our, our housing situation. The oh, ex- well, that's another expense, whole, right. But, but it's so yeah. tied in with the homeless yep. thing because if, yep. if you can't get a $300 apartment anymore, in fact, you've got to pay five times that, even if you're on disability or whatever, well, too bad. Yeah, right. Exactly. And just the supply and demand. Yeah. They're now uh, turning uh, in Waterbury here, the um, uh, the guard. Oh, the armory. Yeah, the armory. Thank you. I couldn't uh, think of that word. The armory is being turned into a, a place for the homeless to sleep because it's a little chilly out there and it's pretty sad. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's, it's a terrible uh, crisis here. Well, you mentioned Montpelier, too. I had one of my letter writers say, please ask the governor sometime. We've got all of these state buildings that people are working from home now, they're not being used very much, or some of them not at all. Oh, great. Can we perhaps turn those into some sort of housing, which is an elegant idea? I actually yeah. mentioned that once to the governor at a press conference, and he said, um, uh, probably not going to do that, probably going to go more with uh, uh, using it for the existing reasons kind of thing. And, and I had asked that same question, why don't we take – but apparently the way those buildings are made – because everybody wants a bathroom in their apartment, right. that it's almost you'd have to rip it down to nothing and, and rebuild. So uh, there's because uh, I, I thought, well, how hard is that? Just make them all apartments. But it's because of the plumbing and the way it was originally built mm-hmm. uh, that you can't put um, bathrooms in each. And nobody wants to do the communal down the down the hallway right. approach. So 400k per unit for yeah. a uh, for low income housing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what we're doing. Instead. That's a little scary. Yeah. That's a little scary. So um, just moving on with this lightest um, uh, newsletter. This is now we're going to start pressing my buttons. <laughs> student, a student pray, was testifying praising school choice because our legislature is once again looking mm. at the possibility oh. of um, eliminating or disallowing ind- independent schools. There is some serious antagonism in the Vermont legislature, not shared by the, the whole body. No, thank goodness. But among some of the, the leaders in, in the educational committees uh, who are saying, you know, really, why do we need to encourage these these private schools? The money should all be going to the public schools. Uh, so therefore, for example, Cabot High School is facing possible closure. And there is a bill in that would say if a public school closes, the, those students may not choose one of the private schools as a tuitioning school. And the Supreme Court actually decided, the U.S. Supreme Court decided a couple years ago that parents can send, when there's no local school available, 
parents can send their kids to a private school, even a religious right. private school. Right. And the Vermont legislature has gone, eh, we don't really like that decision very much, so how in the world are we going to work around it while still trying to keep within the letter of the law? And have they found a way? I hope not. Um, they proposed something last year that that Cooler Heads said, actually, that's not going to fly okay. uh, in, in, in a court. It's not going to fly. So they said, oh, well, back to the drawing board. And, and I think this, this latest bill, you know, school, schools closing, I, I, I cannot possibly see how they could justify that under the Supreme Court decision. But, you know, that's why I'm not a lawyer and they are. Well, um, maybe it has something to do with the performance of school, of independent schools and how mm. high their students rank and right. how well they do, right. maybe. Um, cause our, our public schools do need a little, little help. Yeah. A little yeah, push. Yeah. I guess all they need is some more, some more funding. <laughs> and, exactly. And, With more money, we'll yeah. fix everything. Yeah. Yes, I've heard that when I used to work at state government, but just give us more money. We'll just have right. a bigger, batter system. Right. There you go. So there was an, uh, this article I thought was kind of interesting because it fits into um, all the workforce development discuss, discussions that um, journalism layoff pandemic sweeps across America to Vermont. <laughs> Are we even losing okay. reporters? Okay, you need to look at the, the headline for that. Okay. That is a satire piece. Oh, that's why it says bananas? Johnny Bananas does not exist. Ah, Nothing you that actually happened first. in these stories ever actually happened. Johnny Bananas is a... a He's a guy who lives in Vermont. I know him well. And he writes some of the best satire I've ever read. It's that terrific. Is funny. And this one in because, particular was just Because priceless. I thought, well, why not? You, every place you go, restaurants, they don't open on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because they don't have staff. Every place you go, stores, yeah. we're a little shorthanded. Right. And so I thought, well, why not the news? But it's not true. Uh, it, it Maybe in fact we need is, less. It, it's, it, it's more a matter of their... Uh, the, the, the legacy media is just not earning as much money as it used to because online right. is cutting into sure. it. Oh, surprise, surprise. Um, and so, therefore, they don't have the revenue and, therefore, they have to lay people off. And, yeah. Wow. Well, Johnny Bananas does a good job, whoever he's he terrific. is. terrific. Yeah. I have to bribe you to get who he is. You can't. You have to be sworn to secrecy. I am. Um, yeah. So, um and there's some other uh, ones here. It says lawmakers consider having Vermont taxpayers pay for slavery. I thought that was interesting right. discussion. Yeah, that's a lot the of whole questions. reparations thing. Yeah, yeah. and I, we have a committee that's looking at that. We do, we do. Um, it's and I, I'm going to editorialize a little bit here and surprise a few people by saying that you know I don't know but yeah slavery that was a long time ago right. and boy Vermont we we paid our bill we 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 gave it the office in the civil war yeah you know my my great great my great grandfather literally gave his right arm he was the first vermonter oh, in the civil war to, to urban woodbury to to uh, lose his arm wow and first battle of bull run the the cannonball decapitated the sergeant in front of him and took off his arm grief. later ran for governor with a lieutenant governor who was also an arm amputee and their slogan was two good arms working for you <laughs> so, so 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 cool. we gave it the office but but i will say this that i know for a fact that that uh 
relatively recently, like within the last generation, there has been some um, where, where blacks were not allowed to buy homes in some neighborhoods. Really? Yes, and where uh, also were not hired for management positions uh, because the, the workers didn't want to work for a black man. And this happens, and, and I'm not sure how you pass a law against that or whatever, but but to the extent, I mean, if if I hadn't been able to buy my buy my house, I wouldn't have my my equity, would I? Right. And if I weren't able to get my first job at the Free Press because my skin color was wrong, I'd be doing something else, uh, maybe making more money. I don't know. Doing a radio but, show. Right. <laughs> uh, but but the point is, you know, the, the the ability, the the American dream of grab the brass ring and go for it. If your skin color is actually against you, maybe right. there's maybe there's an issue there. Yeah, and sadly in my world, and I apologize for this, I don't see it as it maybe is, and the people are living it. I don't, I, it's not in my world, particularly now that I'm retired. It's a, right. you know, you go home, you do your thing, and mostly on, online, so seeing people is a, a whole treat, uh, and plus on the radio. So I don't, I'm not aware of some of that, and, and, um, yeah. uh, I, and I presume they're thinking it ties back to, to slavery and how people were bought and sold, and, and which is over time, thank God, we figured out that was a bad thing to do. And Vermont was one of the first states to yes. recognize that, oh, right? We were. I mean, we were. We were we were right out front with like, no, this is no good. We have to change this. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I've that part, having this discussion in Vermont, but if we have issues about people not being able to buy homes, that's got to change right now. And I, I don't know that it's happening now, but if, like, I have a good friend of mine who's also a journalist who's who's basically dead broke because he um, n- never inherited any any uh, equity, didn't inherit any property from his from his father. Right. Um, and I I was able to get you know a little bit, and that helped buy. Help, help buy some, you know, that sort of generational wealth. That's right, what I'm talking right. about. And if the last generation was denied generational wealth because of their skin color, yeah. that does affect the current generation. That is true. So, so I'm not really sure where exactly I'm going with that, not but either. I do sort of recognize that there is at least a grain of stuff going on there that maybe fair-minded people maybe should be paying attention to. Yeah, I agree with you. Keep an open mind and let's hear all yeah. the facts. Um, so we were also just talking about there's a committee looking about slavery and based on our conversation I think I will just step back and wait and listen to the rationale my initial my initial take was not was like I don't think so but who if this stuff is still going on shame on us I I, my my world is very insular so I don't um, I'm not out like working for state government and, and seeing stuff like that anymore. So, so here's another headline, guys. Secretary of State promotes college uh-huh. student voter registration. Uh-huh. This this is something I am going to talk about. I don't like it. They don't live here. Yeah. And it's so easy to vote in your hometown now. I mean, how hard can this be? You you can get a um, uh, you can pre-register what is a pre-vote. Mm-hmm. What's the word? Can't remember. But absentee you, vote. Uh, yeah, absentee vote. Right. Like. Like a month before, how hard is this? Right, right. Uh, and my take on that was we got this press release from Secretary of State Sarah Copeland Hans is saying 
we're working with this group, Civic Nation and All In, to uh, boost voter registration among college students, which I thought, okay, you know, right. they're, they're legal voters. Yeah. Uh, they don't all vote the way I would like, but that isn't the point. The right. point is they, vote. people should be voting. Um, although, as you say, Pat, um, th- there's some argument could be made that perhaps they should be voting in their in their home states. Right. Uh, but the organization that was signed on to do this has a very um, sort of progressive advocacy point of view, where they they're promoting uh, um, societal shift and societal change, and they're all about equity, and they. Their reason for doing this is that voters care that college voters care about climate and abortion rights and and other things. So there's definitely a there's a policy angle behind right. the registration. So the registration itself, you could say, is well, well, good. You know, good that people are being registered, but the push behind it, and and one must wonder then about the the tactics being used and the strategy. Huh. Uh, are are they really aimed at getting everyone, regardless of partisanship, or are they basically trying to sign up young liberal voters? Right. So so I don't know, but but I do know that the organization itself is very, Civic Nation, very out front. Uh, the founder was someone who was a former Hillary Clinton campaign ad and and Cory Booker uh, c- campaign aide, uh, now a a VP for uh, Planned Parenthood of America. Uh, so someone with a who's definitely tied into the whole right. uh, Democrat slash progressive uh, campaign wing of of the nation. Well, I'm very big on re- having everyone register because to mm-hmm. me, if things don't go my way, and you look at the low amount of people numbers that voted on something, I get annoyed. But if it was an overwhelming vote. I'd be all right with that, right. even if I disagreed with it, because people voted, and that's what the people want. Mm-hmm. I just find with with colleges, um, I don't mind them voting on the president on the the national um, mm. ballots, but I do object to the to the town, you know, to right. the to the local ones because they don't know these people, and they say they they're residing here, but not yep. really. Um, not in the definition of owning and paying taxes and right. being part of the community. So I just find that to be interesting. But, you know, register for sure, but make sure they vote. Nationally, you can vote from your college dorm. That's good with me. But You know, even in Burlington, the city council delayed a referendum, sort of an anti-Israel, pro, uh, pro-Palestine referendum. Right. They delayed that vote until June. And part of me wonders, with absolutely no facts behind me at all, but part of me <laughs> wonders if that was because the college students won't be around, and and they'll get more of the, perhaps of a of a truer take oh, of what Burlington residents and taxpayers yeah. think. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but but you sort of have to wonder if there's a little bit of pushback out there on this 
on this large block of college Because they have no vested interest in, and and they're college kids besides. I mean, a lot of them are very into politics, but a lot aren't. And they haven't, you can't have, after the the initial conversation, they can't get deep into the weeds with you to discuss the issue. I've tried. And, you know, after the, after the headline, they're lost. Right. Um, right. Paul did some on the street interviews with college students, and that was kind of his conclusion too, that, okay, they're, they're really good at the sound bites, but, At the sort of reflection and the other hand stuff, uh, not so much. Right. Well, you know, my my TV show, Vote for Vermont, the tagline is listening beyond the sound bites. Mm. And my explanation is, is when they say it's free. Oh, yeah. Would you please <laughs> look into that a little more? Because I bet it's not. Somehow right. somebody's paying for it. Right. So anyway, uh, let's just move on. This one was interesting. And it had to do with Morristown and... Um, mm. And you do – what's cool about what you do is the Vermont Daily – there's some national, there's some mostly statewide, but there's also some local sure. local issues. And this one said green crime and concerns in Morristown. Does that ring a bell about what sure. that uh, was about? Mar- Martin Green is a uh, very uh, articulate, opinionated Morrisville resident. And Morrisville in particular has had – some serious problems with retail theft related to drug abuse. Really? It, it just skyrocketed last year. It was terrible. And so bad that the chief of police and the select board, or whatever they call them there, uh, organized a kind of a public hearing a forum on this is what's going on and this is what we, we hope we can do and what do you think we ought to do? And Martin showed up at both of those and and reported on it. I'm glad he huh. did because it's, you know, this is being lived, this whole retail theft thing. I've noticed uh, police reports the last two or three days, a lot of power drills and, and drill batteries being stolen. So, really? So I think that these these lithium batteries ah. that, that are in a, a drill driver, uh, they... It's it's hard to get them out of the electric cars, but boy, you can sure steal one easily from a hardware store. And I think there's the the fencers are, have sort of put the word out: "Hey, get us this, drug addicts, and we will." Wow. I, so uh, I, at least that's I, I've I've seen a growing trend in the theft of these these uh, drill drivers. And sometimes when you see that trend, it's because, for example, catalytic converters were being stolen for right, a long for, time. That's right. And because the uh, the the main uh, uh, metal in the catalytic converters is is far more valuable per ounce than gold. Just blows ten times. The only thing I know about lithium batteries is that they can catch on fire very easily, which unnerves uh, yeah. me a little bit. Having them around, if I know there's a lithium battery somewhere in our house for some reason, I get a little yes, they, they get hot about, when you yeah. They the head of the House Energy Committee was a huge supporter of of EVs. His EV actually caught on fire and in his driveway, and the and the fire department <laughs> had go. to come and try to put it out because I guess he left it charging too long or something like that. Well, I know I know there's a couple of firemen out there who are not so big on those batteries because you right. have to treat them with water from beneath the car because oh. the the it takes. I don't know how many times more water to put out that fire than it does a regular car fire. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't know because I'd be in the next town running. I'm scared yeah. to death of fire. But that's another show. Um, but um, they it's very difficult to put that fire out from a fireman's perspective, plus right. 
you know the the charge that's there that from a battery that you could get hurt. Right. Um, but anyway, but if I know there's one in my house, I'm I'm just a little yeah. crabby about it. So there are two things happening with EVs in the legislature right now. At least I think there are two. Uh, the the first thing is that they're they're trying to get some money, extra money in there to enable more home car chargers. Uh, you know the, the the home charging systems. Yep, right. Because this is a problem in Vermont and really everywhere. Is at the moment there's just not enough of a charging infrastructure. So they're trying right. to get it more done right. at home, and that that means more. I think it's three million dollars yeah. or something for that. The other thing that I've I've been asking the transportation committee members on and haven't gotten an answer is, do they, after years of trying, is there any sort of parallel to the gasoline tax because when i drove here i used my gasoline car right, and i need right. to pay a tax on that and they've been ch- kicking around well do we do some sort of charge at the charger do we have an annual mileage if what whatever it is per mileage uh, and to my knowledge they haven't nope. done that yet now i think there's pros and cons to every single thing they're they're looking at because it's not apples and oranges or it is right. apples and oranges it's not apples and apples yeah. yeah it's pretty scary they did a thing on fox news and yes i listen to fox news people but they had a reporter that was out in california and they asked him to rent a electric car and log his trip back to new york how long he had to stay to charge yeah. you know to be, to continue and his his story was ridiculous I mean, we go down to Gettysburg all the time. I said to Bruce, we'd have to throw in another day just to get down there for the charging, huh. if you can find wow. one. Wow. Yeah. It's, wow. Good for we, the hotel owners, I suppose. Yes, but, uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, you have to put four or five hours extra in your trip. And this guy, yeah. I think, stopped eight times. I think that's why that number sticks in my head. But eight times between California and New York before he got back to the studio wow. to charge. You, uh-huh. So you just can't jump in your car and run away anymore. Yep. You gotta think it out. Huh? Isn't that, isn't that yeah. just interesting? Wow. So yeah. I'm, obviously, with, with all of our mandates, we've got to fix that right. for sure. But anyway, um, oh, I, one more, and I'll be quiet. Years Sorry. ago, when these first came out, I was commissioner of motor vehicles, and they gave me a truck to take home. <laughs> and um, I got home. I plugged it in. And we went in the house, and all we heard was this sizzle. The whole house went shh, oh, poof. That's encouraging. Yes. Well, I, <laughs> apparently the house current doesn't do it. Oh. So Bruce, of course, came to the rescue and plugged it into the right socket. But yeah. it was a little unnerving. Yeah. So, um, But that was years ago, and I am sure that's fixed Big time. Well, I like the hybrids myself. If I, I do too. To buy a car. I yeah. like them. That yeah. makes me feel good. Yeah. All right, moving on. This one story after another. Um, STD treatment without parental consent. Seriously, I picked yeah. all the good ones, Guy. Yeah. What the, is that? Well, apparently, STD treatment right. for for teens, twelve or children twelve and older, without parental knowledge or consent has been legal for a while. What what this is, is STD, and I I, I didn't know it either, which is why the headline is confusing. Yeah. Um, But it's, the the, the new thing there is STD prevention, i.e. vaccines, i.e. Gardasil. In other words, your 12-year-old can get the, what is considered to be a rather problematic vaccine without 
You know what about it? <laughs> why, why bother being a parent anymore? You are so you're exempt from anything of yep. a parental nature. Yeah. Who who feeds our kids now? Oh, <laughs> breakfast and lunch. Right. Who does their health care? Who teaches them their values? Right. Not us. Uh, less and less, it seems. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. It's really, it's just shocking to me. The community yeah. school movement is what they call it, where, where basically the schools are becoming the hubs of all things necessary right. for the community. It's a, it's a very focused and central movement. There's, there's bills in the legislature about it right now. It's, it, it's and a what thing. did you call it, community? The, the community school movement and by, by that community school they don't mean the school for your community they mean the school that is the the hub of all kinds of services right. beyond education for the entire community changing history uh, well <laughs> Sorry. that's a that's, little that's another yeah, one that's of probably my... not community school well hmm. a... good question well they keep yeah. re, you know re, Removing statues and things. I told Bruce if they even touch one statue down in Gettysburg, get out of my way. <laughs> oh boy! Because I'm yeah. in the car headed that's, down that's there. That's holy ground down yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it is. Yeah. Um, so moving on, another um, uh, another couple of headlines, and this this does talk about understaffed. The Orange County Sheriff Department oh, lost yeah. its uh, county seat contract because they in Windsor because yeah. they didn't have enough staff. That's pretty scary. Yeah, uh, Bill Boniak had been the sheriff there for a long time, and uh, a, a new fellow was was uh, Contois was voted in, and immediately most of his deputies quit upon his huh. his becoming sheriff, and so in addition to the all the usual. They're gone. Uh, p- policing staffing problems that are endemic. Right. Uh, he he had a, an exodus. Wow. And by contrast, Ryan Palmer down there in Windsor County is perhaps the only sheriff's department or the most successful anyway at getting staff and at getting contracts. And oh. someone asked him, how was it that you're fully staffed? He said, well, I went out. And we just got a lot of contracts. So we got, we got the money flowing money. in. We're able to pay competitively right. compared right. to some others. So as, as an outcome, uh, Chelsea, which is the county seat of, of Orange County, beautiful town, beautiful courtyard, uh, courthouse and everything. They no longer have coverage from their sheriff whose offices are in, in the, the Chelsea courthouse. Really? So when they trials no are have, going on, there's no coverage? Um, they're, the town of Chelsea, I should say, does not hire for policing oh, because they had, they had so many uh, um, just unanswered calls. And, yep. and there was a, a one particular um, auto repair shop that was just getting knocked over again and again and again. And he said, you know, OK, we, we got to do something about this. Right. Guy, tell people how they can sign up to get your oh, amazing sure. daily news. Well, thank you, Pat. You go to www.vermontdailychronicle.com, all spelled out. And right underneath the, the, the masthead, you know, the flag across the top, there's a click that says subscribe to Vermont Daily Chronicle. Just click on that and it takes... 30 seconds and you're in and you'll, you'll get every day. You'll get our, the, the, the newspaper mailed, emailed to you. There you go. The daily edition emailed to you. That's great. And I do know that they, you also welcome contributions, whether as a subscriber, uh, whether it be monthly or yearly or the occasional check. Sure. And, and you know, this is how the paper 
exists. Uh, we're, we're, we're a subscriber. We're voluntary sustaining subscribers say, yes, it's worth 100 bucks a year to me. That's great. And they, they, some of, they, you can do it monthly. There's a little click underneath the masthead for that too. Uh, but you don't have to. I mean, there's, yeah, it's frankly, free. the vast majority of our readers don't contribute. Right. I, I'm trying to get more of them too. <laughs> but, but it's, it's a free paper. Yeah, that's great. Well, and that's a word that you can go to the bank with. Free. It yeah, really right. is free. It's, and it's ama- I'm telling you, I was, after doing this show, I, I give you a lot of credit, Guy. Take back everything I ever said. <laughs> but this is amazing how you do this every day. Um, I have enough trouble, of course, I'm only doing this show once a week, but, um, I was doing it twice and I don't know how Rick son Gary did it yeah. for five days a week. It's yeah. just, Me, like, or Mark volume. Johnson friends. Yeah, Mark Johnson, yeah. absolutely. Kudos uh, to them. I, I, I don't either. I, I would have, that would be really hard. Yeah. The, this is, you know, when you've been in the newspaper business as long as I have, you, you do get a sense of the, the news does sort of come to you and you need to know how to quickly turn it around and format it. And then you also have to know what's news and what isn't and not waste right. your time on the stuff that isn't. Right. Well, that, thank you for that. Um, because as I was asking you, how do you know what to publish? Because, you know, there's just so much stuff. There was, when you were talking about the, the sheriffs, there's one that Pam Baker wrote about shots fired, oh, cops boy. called, no one came. Where oh, was that? That was, she's in, uh, Wyndham County and, and, uh, her, her neighbor, uh, someone, uh, shot, uh, a unhappy relative or sort oh, of relative. Real? Yeah. Oh. Sh- shot into the house and, and they called the cops according to Pam's firsthand account. They yeah. called the cops and the cops basically said, you know, no, nah, not going to come. And so they told this, you that she, they weren't going to come. Well, that, that is what, that is what the, her, her commentary said. Yes. Wow. Um, and her, she's, this person's a retired nurse, a you know, responsible person. And she said, you know, it may be that we're kind of on the edge of something here and people maybe need to learn how to defend themselves, which is a dark, dark word. And we don't even want to, you and I didn't grow up in that world. Nope. I hope it's not the world it is now, but this was this person's experience. So we let him speak. You would think the term shots fired would get somebody's uh, mm. adrenaline cooking. I mean, that's sort yeah. of a red flag sort of thing, shots fired. And most of the times it, it, it does, I must say. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, apparently didn't. And it was in rural Vermont. Was, and the state police, you know, they had they suspended temporarily, relieved from duty, six of their workers because of a, a an issue that they had with how an incident was carried out. And so they're already shorthanded. They're now even more shorthanded. Right. And they cover for everyone, mm. every town, every little town that doesn't have a sheriff contract or their own police department. Yep. They're stretched, they're, they're stretched thin. They're well, so, I think of like Mad Max of, you know, this guy, one guy driving around in a car. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if that's how they feel. Yeah. Well, the state police are struggling too. I mean, they've got some contracts. Right. I think here in Waterbury, there's a contract for coverage. And what bothers me is the lack of coverage at night right. because there's not enough police in, uh, you know, in my town, we've got the hospitals and you've got things that things may happen and you need that yep. coverage. But And boy, the Berlin police are great. Oh, I love uh, Well, you live in the town, terrific. too. They're amazing. Yes, they are. I and they, and they're town. compassionate. There's there's one of them who um, w- there's a particular person who's always shoplifting, who's always in trouble. And he 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 cites her. He does what he needs to do. And then he says, 
Do you need something to eat? I know who that is. He's wonderful yeah. with the homeless. Yeah, he's he a really wonderful. Is. It's a great town. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to have to go. Guy Page, I thank you. I stand in awe of what you're. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm dead serious. You really do a great job. So well, thank you. Thank and, you, Pat. And you um, thank you for um, right in my right every day. Pop it pops right up on my email, and I'm good to go. Thirty seconds. Thank you, guy. <laughs> thank we'll you, have Pat. you back. I love talking about this. Anytime. All right. So listen, folks. Um, I'll see you next Thursday. But listen to Vermont Viewpoint Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday with my co-hosts. Um, and we'll see you. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Pat McDonald, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV. Thank you.